the time has arrived. Week one of the NFL football season, the New Orleans Saints open up their season in Atlanta to play the hated Dirty Birds, Duncan and Derry Friday. We're going to talk about it on Datitude coming up next. If you're looking for the latest scoop and in-depth interviews on the Saints, the NFL, the Pelicans, LSU, along with the best bets of the week, then lucky you. Along with high-powered, in-the-know guests who cover our teams, Jim Derry brings plenty of datitude. And he'll always tell you the way it is, or at least the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? Hello to all my friends around the state around the nation and dare I say internationally it is Datitude episode number 88 for a Friday a Duncan and Derry Friday September the 9th 2022 I am Jim Derry sports betting writer at the Times Picayune the advocate and bet.nola.com we are ready to get rolling we are ready to get this party started in here. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Maybe that's our song of the day. That's Maybe that's how we'll finish this whole thing. As I said, Duncan and Derry Friday. Jeff Duncan will be joining us here in just a moment. If you missed it, every Friday live at 9.15 a.m. on many of our Bet.NOLA channels on Facebook, on YouTube, on my Twitter page. We're working to... Get it elsewhere. We are in the infancy of our live podcast. Of course, you're not listening live. I mean, if you're listening to this, then I recorded this maybe an hour ago, maybe six hours ago, maybe yesterday. I don't know when you're listening. You can tell me at jderry at theadvocate.com or on Twitter at Jim Derry Jr. Datitude, wherever you find your podcasts, such as this one, if you're listening to this off the bet.noah.com page, which is my SoundCloud feed, which is where Datitude is hosted, you can find this wherever you find major podcast, major podcast plat- platforms. Say that eight times fast. Apple, Spotify, Google Play, it's there. Search for Datitude and have fun with us. We have done 87 of these in the past. This is number 88. And what, do I, what else are we going to talk about today? It's football season. We are back to our Monday, Thursday, Friday schedule. Had Uncle Big Nick on yesterday with our picks segment. And uh, Jeff Duncan and I are going to make our picks on the Falcons and Saints coming up at the end of our segment, which lasts about 45 minutes. We're going to have fun with it today. Um, although some of you may not have fun with my pick. I mean, if you read my NFL picks column, you know what I think. If you listened to the show yesterday... You know what I think. But I'm going to say it again later. I'm going to save it for you. I'm going to have fun with it. Uh, the season started last night, and Jim Derry's NFL picks are 0-1, if that makes you feel any better. It, it obviously makes some people feel better, because I woke up to hate mail this morning. Not a lot. But the trolls were working. They, I mean, who thought I was going 272-0 besides me? No one. I'm not going to get them all right. 
I shoot for 55% would be fantastic. You go 55% against the spread, you are outstanding, and you are winning money. Probably not a whole ton, but you're winning money. And that should be the goal. If you go 55%, you're doing a hell of a job. If you go 50%, you're doing okay. means at least you're having fun with it. If you go less than 50%, you're not having a lot of fun. You've had a really bad year. I think in the seven seasons of my NFL picks column, I think I've only had one season against the spread where I was under 500. I think it was only one. I've had more than one where I was over 55%. I think last year was just shy of 53%, which is pretty good. So, I mean, it, look, it is what it is. I mean, it, we're, we are not professional betters by any stretch of the imagination. Now, I write about betting for a living, so I'm a professional sports betting writer, but I don't proclaim to be a professional better because if I was a professional better and I had the money that it takes to be a professional better, I probably would not be at bet.nola.com. Maybe I would, maybe I wouldn't. I don't know. But I love my job, so I'm not worried about that. Buffalo Bills 31, Los Angeles Rams 10. I was completely wrong. I, and look, I, it's just one game, and I am always the one that says you can't overreact about one game. But if you're a Rams fan, more than a Bills fan, if you're a Rams fan, how can you not overreact to what you saw last night? Because that was just an ass-whipping. There's no other way to put it. I mean, I guess I could put it another way if I, can't, if I couldn't say ass on my show. But that's about the limit. I mean, that was an ass-whipping. That's what it was. 31 to 10. It was 10-10 at halftime, and it wasn't, that, it wasn't anywhere near tied. The only reason why it was 10-10 is because Josh Allen had an interception that wasn't his fault. Then the, the rookie comes in in his first carry ever. He fumbles the football in the Rams' red zone, I believe. And then Allen threw another pick that was just dumb. So it should have been like 21-3 at halftime. It wasn't close. At no point was at no point after the first drive did I think the Rams were going to win the game. I, and I wish I could have gone back and changed my pick. I probably should have live bet it at halftime, and but I'd already bet on the Rams, so I I just didn't go and contradict myself. Sometimes you should, but it was it was pretty obvious that the Bills were the much better team. And I'm not going to re over overreact on the other side and say that the Bills I. I Look, I get why they're the Super Bowl favorite. They're the media darlings of the world. The NFL Network had their prediction show on the other night. Um, They had 10 media pundits on. All 10. Not only picked the Bills to go to the Super Bowl, all 10 picked the Bills to win the Super Bowl. I still think they're going to choke like they've done the last couple years. I think Josh Allen's phenomenal. I think there's a reason why he's the, the top drafted fantasy quarterback this year. But I think when it comes down to it in, in the end, you got to prove it to me. I still think the Kansas City is the best team in the AFC. Now, I don't think they'll finish with the best record in the AFC because their schedule is ridiculously tough. And the Bills' schedule is very easy. I'm not, that the, not that there's such thing as very easy schedule in the NFL, but comparatively in the NFL, I think it, they have like the 28th or 29th toughest schedule in the NFL. And the Chiefs, they got to be number one. Just go take a look at it. It is, it is ridiculous. But we'll see. I mean, we're, 
I've already made my Super Bowl prediction. I think it's going to be 49ers and the Chiefs. And what about the Saints? I don't mean the Saints. I hope they the Saints win a Super Bowl. I am going to be one happy camper because the bets I've made and the value that I told you about a couple months ago. Saints win the Super Bowl. I don't know where we're going on vacation this coming year, but it's going to be somewhere nice. I promise you that. So, more on that later. But if Frisco wins the Super Bowl, I'm going to make a pretty penny too because I've got a lot of futures on them as well. Um, San Francisco plays Chicago this week, so they'll pretty much start 1-0, I think. Falcons and Saints, um, look, I... We're going to get into it in just a minute, and I mean really a minute or two. My monologue here this morning, I just, I, I just got a bad feeling it's going to be tight. I got a bad feeling at 2.55 p.m., Saints fans are going to be sweating bullets. I think they will find a way to win. There's no question in my mind the Saints are the better team. Zero question. But that doesn't always translate, especially in week one. You're talking about Jameis Winston coming back off of an ACL injury. His first game in 10 months. Dennis Allen, his first game as head coach of the Saints, taking over for Sean Payton. There's a lot going on here. In Atlanta, against your rival. Now, it's a must-win. I know people don't like the label must-win in week one. To hell with that. It's a must-win. The Saints have to win this game. They're going to be good this year. they got to win. There's zero question. I mean, you get Tampa Bay next week at home. And then you go to a much, I think, again, media pundits don't agree with me, but I think a much improved Carolina team because I think their defense is going to be just as good as it was last year when it was ranked second in the league. And with Christian McCaffrey and Baker Mayfield, how can they not be better than Sam Darnold and Chuba Hubbard? How can they not be better? They're better. So, I mean, I think Carolina's in for assuming they – don't have to deal with the same kind of injuries they had last year. I think Carolina's at least an eight-win team, maybe a nine-win team. That's what I predicted them to be. So it's it's no easy road coming up. Saints got to win this game. You cannot lose to Atlanta, which is probably a four- or five-win team. Marcus Mariota, his first game, stop Kyle Pitts, put the clamps on Drake London, and limit Cordell Patterson to 80 yards or fewer, you'll win the ball game. And it, and but it's, it's not as easy as you just say it. Let's see what Jeff Duncan thinks. We're going to get into, uh, again, this was, uh, we did this show live this morning on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. But most of you, I've noticed last week, you, you still listen to the podcast. You just didn't, you probably don't even know we're doing it live. So if you got time on Friday mornings at 9.15 a.m., you can check that part out. I come in and add my monologue later and finish the show like we always do because a lot of you like to listen to it when you have time. And we appreciate you being a, a fan of Datitude and hope you're enjoying the early parts of Dunkin' Dairy Friday, J.D. Squared, as I like to call it. Let's get to him. Welcoming in Jeff Duncan to the podcast, and we have a lot to talk about today, Dunk. Uh, we had a big game last night, but we're going to focus mostly on the Saints and Falcons and uh, what's going on this morning. Man, it was awesome to have football back, right? Wasn't it? College, college weekend, last weekend, I covered that LSU-Florida State game, which was incredible. And then the, the Bills kind of handing it to the Rams on NFL kickoff night. 
Uh, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for the game this Sunday. I think everybody else is. A lot of anticipation. Yeah, in my hate mail started early this morning. Um, <laughs> you know, when you go 0-1, I, I try to remind people we've got 272 of these. So I'm, I'm not going to go 272-0. and 0. Uh, You know, it started last night with my, uh, my son giving me the business because he's a big Bills Mafia guy. He's got two Josh Allen jerseys. He couldn't, he couldn't wait to, to give me a little bit, you know. Well, look, man, Josh Allen, I just felt like the Bills wanted that game more. The Rams look like they're still kind of basking in the glory of that Super Bowl. I, I'm not sure I like what I saw from them last night. And I knew the Rams were going to have trouble protecting uh, their offensive line, man. They've got some issues. And as you know, J.D., if you can't block in the NFL, especially against that good a defense, you're in trouble. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And, and the, the sad thing uh, about it is, yeah, I, did, I didn't see, and I know it's just one game, but to me, the Los Angeles Rams, their line looked terrible. And I know you, you lose Andrew Whitworth, who's this stud at left tackle. It just goes to show how important left tackle is because they were getting blown up on that side of the line. Yeah, well, the Bills' front four is elite. They, they play D the same way the Saints do, and that is they only rush four. They get home with four. That allows them to do so much on the back end. Uh, they are an elite team because they've got the offense rolling now. I mean, I thought I saw something this morning. The Bills now, four of their last six games, have not even punted. And that's something, you know, Drew Brees used to do every once in a while. But four of your last six games now, a part of that is attributed to turnovers. But still, that's pretty elite offense. Well, I mean, how does that happen, though? I mean, how, 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 does, how does something change that much, you know, in, in just a little bit of time? Yeah. No, I mean, look, the – they are definitely deserving Super Bowl contenders. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I like the Chargers to kind of challenge them a little bit because I'm, I'm high on Justin Herbert. But Buffalo looks like the most complete team in the league. There's a reason why they're the favorites to, to win the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, uh, do you, do you, how much do you put on one game and stock on one game? And again, 31-10. I mean, it's 10-10 at halftime. They shut them out in the, in the second half. But I think you could see. I, I should have gone and live bet it because I think you could see that Buffalo was clearly the better team by halftime. They don't have the two turnovers. It, it's it's definitely not 10-10. It's like 17-3 or something along those lines. Yeah, look, I don't want to make a blanket statement week one. I mean, come on, man. we got a whole season to play. But I'm just, you know, every once in a while a team wins a Super Bowl that's not that great a team. And I think that right. was clearly the case with the Rams last year. Things kind of fell their way. You know, they get like a kind of an upstart Bengals team that they weren't the best team in the AFC. They get them in the Super Bowl. They kind of win a lackluster game. Uh, to me, they were one of the worst Super Bowl champions we've had in the last decade. And um, I'm not sure they're going to have that great a season here because they f they feel like a team that's basking, like I said earlier, that's that's still sowing their oats after winning it all. They didn't look very hungry at all last night. They got it, they got it handed to them. Pretty, pretty handily by the Bills. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'll wait to reserve judgment on how good the Bills are because I'm, I'm starting to wonder how good the Rams are. Yeah, well, I think there's no doubt. I, I And I've said throughout my previews, I think that the 49ers are the best team in that division. I think yep. they're going to win that division. Uh, I don't think Arizona's very good, and I certainly don't think Seattle's any good. So I think the Rams will be okay and be in the playoffs. Hmm. But, it, but what I saw last night, I don't know where Cam Akers was, uh, he, he completely disappeared. I know a lot of people in fantasy football who 
drafted him high are, are pretty ticked off this morning. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. But like you said, football's here. So we can uh, – you we don't overreact to week one. And uh, But the Bills certainly look like a Super Bowl team. I, I, I've been – I don't, I don't want to say I've been down on them, but I I think they'll win 11 or 12 games, but I, I'm just not sure if they're as good as they looked last night. And maybe they are. Maybe they will win 13, 14 games. And, again, there's a reason why they're the Super Bowl favorite. Well, the other, you know, the other good betting angle, I always like to, to play this angle. After week one, you kind of go the other way, right? So right. Everyone's going to overreact for the Bills and against the Rams. I think you bet on the Rams next week, you bet against the Bills and, and, and try and play that flip because I think it could happen. Well, I think you might be right. But, you know, most people here want to talk about the big game this week, and that's the New Orleans Saints traveling to face the Atlanta Falcons. And, uh, you know, it's, it's it's speaking about left tackle and how the Rams miss Andrew Whitworth, how much are the Saints going to miss Teron Armstead? Well, they're going to miss him. I mean, James Hurst is not Teron Armstead. Uh, Armstead is an elite athlete at left tackle. Uh, I think the guy ran like a 4, 5, 40 or something crazy right. in the combine. Uh, James Hurst, I compare him a lot to, say, Zach Streif. He knows what he is. He knows who he is. And he's going to play within, you know, within his game. Uh, so I think the Saints are going to be fine there. I think the concern, J.D., is, you know, what happens if Hurst were to go down? He's had some injury issues. Uh, in the last year or two. If he goes down, I think the Saints might flip Andres Pete out to left tackle and, and maybe slide uh, Calvin Throckmorton into guard. They, they're really high on Throckmorton. But I think they'll be fine with Hurst as long as he stays healthy. I agree with you. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll see whether Trevor Penning is able to play at all this season. Um, it's just a little thin there. Uh, if You're worried about that a little bit. But, Saints-Falcons this week, we showed the graphic of the line, and I think it's interesting that the Saints on the road in week one, a five-and-a-half-point favorite. We'll get to our predictions at the end of the show, but, I, you know, I, I understand Atlanta's coming in and Marcus Mariota, no more Matt Ryan, and a lot of people predict the Falcons to win three or four games. I'm one of them. I think they get, they're only going to win about four games, but still, you're going on the road against a rival, and it, I just don't think it's going to be as easy as everybody else thinks it is. I'm opposite you. I think it's going to be really easy. <laughs> you know, I, right. I think I just think the Falcons are one of the worst teams in the league. I don't think they're very talented. I think they're basically they're not tanking outright, but they're building for next year. And I think their draft uh, is going to next year is going to get them the quarterback that's going to be their franchise player, whether it's C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or somebody of that caliber. Uh, this is a transition year with Marcus Mariota. Maybe Desmond Ritter pans out. Uh, but they're they're really we talked about left tackle. If you're if you're going to have concerns, this is one team you want to play. They have no pass rush whatsoever. There's no elite player there for James Hurst to have to deal with. Uh, name me somebody on that defense that scares you other than Grady Jarrett. I mean, they're, this team talent wise cannot match the Saints. The only way I think they'd have a shot is if the Saints overlooked them, and that's not going to happen in Week One. When you've got a hungry Jameis Winston coming off injury, a hungry Mike Thomas hadn't played in two years. I mean, you got guys like Tyron Matthew; they're going to want to show out. Uh, to me, this is the week that the Saints—you're going to get the, the the A team from the Saints. That's bad news for Atlanta. If you're watching on Facebook, you can uh, you can post a comment, and it'll show up on on here, and we'll post your comment on the screen. 
If you're following, if you're watching live on Twitter, you can send me a comment at Jim Derry Jr. on Twitter, uh, and I'll be happy to uh, to if you got a question for Dunk or you just have a general comment or if you want to send me some more hate mail because I haven't got enough of it, uh, feel free. Uh, JDerryTheAdvocate.com as well. We'll be able to to read your comments here in the air. I have one for, from Uncle Big Nick, my, my Thursday partner, my betting partner, Pixie Dust Thursday. He says, the Rams play the Falcons next week, so after Atlanta beats the Saints, <laughs> they'll be due for a letdown in L.A. <laughs> Oh gosh, that would. I, I will say this: if Atlanta does beat the Saints, go against them next week against the Rams. Go against them next week. Yeah, that would be the greatest bet of all time. I think. Well, I mean, you know, we we we, sh- we showed up on the screen uh, the odds, and it, it's it, the money line. If you want to bet on Atlanta, there you go. You got to bet a uh, hundred bucks to win one hundred and ninety-two bucks. If you think Atlanta is going to win straight up, or you can bet. Take Atlanta with the five and a half points at, at minus one ten. If you want, now, if you want to bet on the Saints, conversely, if you just want to bet them to win the game, you got to bet two hundred and thirty five dollars to win a hundred. So that's where the spread is. and then the spread's five and a half, giving up five and a half points. Uh, again, we'll we'll get to our predictions in, in a little bit, but uh, that's 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 a big spread for an opener. I have a I have a stat for you, and I know how much some people roll their eyes at certain stats. Uh, the home team in a division game who is an underdog is 19-5-1 against the spread. What? That's amazing. 19-5-1 against the spread. So, And I've, it's one of my golden rules. Under, home dogs in a division game generally over the past three years or so are somewhere along in the neighborhood of 65 to 70% against the spread. Um, well, and in week one, it's worse. Those numbers, those numbers are strong, man. That's that's that's. And look, I know everyone thinks with their heart, and on times like this, because of the Saints. Uh, but if you had to make a bet on a game like this, I would go under because I, I I feel like the 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 total. I don't know how the Falcons are going to move the ball consistently against the Saints defense. Uh, maybe Marcus Mariota does a lot of RPO, JD. Uh, they run the ball a little bit, try to keep them off balance, uh, but that's just going to turn the clock. You know, the, the clock's going to keep rolling if they're running the ball. So, to me, that seems like the play. I'm with you a little bit. I, I want to say the Saints are going to roll, but five and a half against a division rival when they're still – they have hope right now. You know, they're going right. to be fired up. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty big number. All right. At the end of the show, we are going to give our official score predictions – um, we're going to save that for the end, but I think you, you see where myself and Dunk are both thinking. Datitude Friday here, live on Twitter and on Facebook and on YouTube, as a matter of fact. We're trying to get to more platforms and working on it. We're just getting started here. Um, Dunk, what is the – what do you think going into the week? What is the – it seems like under Dennis Allen, his, his first game as head coach again – I mean, he was head coach with the Raiders for a little bit. First co- game as head coach here, taking over for Sean Payton. You can go through the practices in the preseason and all you want, but when you, what are the butterflies you think are going to be like for him when he gets out there? And it, I mean, and this is for real. You know, I don't think he'll have them. To be honest with you, I mean, it, this isn't his first rodeo. He coached, you know, as, as a head coach in Denver. Um, he 
had a little trial run last year in a huge game against the Tampa Bay on national TV and uh, passed with flying colors in that, in that performance. So I'm not worried so much about him. I'm not interest, that interested to see Dennis Allen. I'm a little more intrigued to see Pete Carmichael with Jameis Winston, Yeah. see how aggressive he is throwing the ball. Uh, I think one thing I've, I've alluded to it before with you, Dennis Allen's going to be a little more conservative than Sean Payton as far as, like, those situations are concerned. Fourth and one, you know, third down and, and deep in his own territory. He's not going to be as aggressive as a head coach as Sean Payton was. Few people are. Uh, but I am interested to see, are they going to really attack vertically this year? They haven't done that in the last few years. You've got a guy, I mean, there's few people in the league throw a better deep ball than Jameis Winston. Now they've got some threats with Chris Olave and obviously Deontay Hardy, they should be able to get deep against teams and strike with a quick strike. We haven't seen that in this offense. So I'm, that's kind of the stuff I want to watch on Sunday. You talk about Jameis, and obviously he may have some butterflies. He hasn't played in, in what, 10 months now. Yep. So uh, And he's going to go out there. And I, I think he still has a lot on his shoulders. And, and I think, he, you know, he realizes that he's still – Taking over Drew Brees, I know it's been, you know, over a year, and and he has known that this was his team for a while now, but still coming in, Dunk. I think that I'm. We saw him last year, and and it helped obviously that the, the Saints rolled, and it was a lot easier against Green Bay last year. They got off to that hot start, and they just never looked back, and the, the defense helped them out a whole lot. But you know, when you had this much time to think about things, and you worried about your knee and all these different things. I think Jameis is going to have as, as many butterflies as anybody. Well, he knows this is a big year, and I hope, uh, you know, I shouldn't say I hope, but if he starts putting pressure on himself, that's going to be the worst thing that can happen. He just needs to let the game come to him. If the Saints get the Jameis Winston that they got to start last season, right? Uh, you know, they're going to be fine. That's all he needs to do. He doesn't have to be a superhero to carry this team. They're, they're good in so many other areas. As I wrote about this past week, I mean, he just needs to be like, Ryan Tannehill, you know, just play at that level, uh, and, and this team's going to be successful. If he starts trying to do too much, uh, I think that's a recipe for for a disaster with, with Jameis. But he does have to be aggressive. You know, if he throws a few picks, that's okay. I mean, it, you can't, you know, play conservatively either at that position. You've got to take some risk. I mean, Aaron Rodgers does. Other quarterbacks do. Uh, I think it's just when do you take them has to be calculated. Jim Derry here with Jeff Duncan on the Datitude Podcast, live every Friday here on a lot of your bet.nola places and my own live Twitter page. Uh, we thank you for joining us here on this Friday morning. Whether you're joining us live or not, when we're done here, as I'm going to do every Friday and I do for our tape podcast, I will add my monologue in when we're done, and uh, I will post it on all – you can find Datitude wherever you find your – Podcast, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, all those places you can find data too. This is episode number 88, so you can go back and listen to some of the other ones if you're interested. We had Jim Moore on a few weeks ago, which was a cool interview. Duncan and I talked to Mickey Loomis back in June, at the end of June, I believe. Uh, we've had Dale Brown on, so it's been it's been fun. It's been fun so far, and we're going to keep on rolling here on data too. All right, um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Michael Thomas uh, and what do you expect from him? Obviously, kind of tight-lipped on Michael Thomas, to be honest. Um, 
I'm not really sure what to expect. I mean, I expect them to be in uniform and I expect them to play. But uh, how much do you expect them to be out there? I, somebody asked me to guess yesterday. I said, I don't know, 50% of the offensive snaps. And, uh, I mean, I wouldn't expect a whole ton from him right off the bat. I think he's going to have a good year. Uh, but I think he definitely wants to get out there and, and play a little bit on Sunday. Yeah, his mindset is, uh, you know, take no prisoners. There's no doubt that he's champing at the bit to play this season after being sidelined so long. Uh, but they're taking it slow with him, and I think rightfully so. I think Dennis Allen is going to be a little more uh, conservative with these guys than maybe Sean Payton was as far as coming back from injuries, giving them rest. A guy like Marcus Davenport I think is going to be very similar. They're not going to practice a lot during the week. And I think that's fine. You know, get them ready for, for the game. Uh, you've got you got to take big picture here. And Michael Thomas, uh, though, is a guy that wants to play. And so I think it'll be interesting to see how many snaps he gets. He's looked great, Jim, when we've seen him. The problem is we just haven't seen him a lot on the practice field. But when he's out there, he doesn't look hindered in any way. Uh, in fact, he looks better than he looked in 2019. I mean, he, he's looked incredible. But – how is he going to hold up? That's the concern I have. We've already seen him uh, have trouble with the hamstring on that same leg with his ankle. Uh, there's these kind of related effects sometimes when you come off a of surgery. That's the concern I have is it really hold up over 17 games. How much do you expect him to play on Sunday? Oh, I think he's going to play full bore. I don't think he's going to be limited in any way, but I don't think that means he's going to be targeted a million times. I mean, one of the, one of the issues I think that, 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 that I want to watch going forward is, uh, you know, Michael Thomas is his bread and butter is the short passing, intermediate routes, slants, hitches. Uh, that's not the strength of Jameis Winston as a quarterback. I mean, he's not been great on those throws. He's incredibly inaccurate, as a matter of fact. One of the most inaccurate quarterbacks in the league at short to intermediate passing. That's something he's worked on this offseason. Uh, we'll see how that translates uh, uh, this season because. The, that is going to be something that they're going to have to improve on uh, with Michael Thomas back. That's, that's where he makes his living. Well, uh, there's no question about that. Uh, how excited are you? I mean, I, I don't mean as, uh, you know, as, just as a columnist and, and someone who covers this team, the new faces that we're going to see on Sunday. I mean, I'm, I can't wait to see what Chris Olave is going to be able to do. Yeah. Uh, just, just seeing him in the preseason, he's the one I'm, I guess I'm most excited to see. I am too because, you know, the knock on him coming out of, out of Ohio State was he wasn't very physical, doesn't really right. do much after the catch. He's not a yak guy. Um, and, you know, you can you can bully him at the line of scrimmage and, uh, you know, reroute him a lot. And the Saints are incredible at that in, in the defensive backfield. But they haven't done a lot of, of press man coverage and in, in, in team drills and stuff this season in preseason. So it's going to be interesting to see once he gets in the league if people – use that tactic against him. He's such a smooth route runner. Uh, he's one of these guys, he's like a thoroughbred out there. He looks like he's not running very hard, and he's running away from people. So I do think he adds an element to this receiving core they haven't had, and he's very smart. I don't think there's going to be much of a transition or learning curve for him. He played at a very high level at Ohio State. Uh, those guys transition pretty quickly to the NFL. Interesting question from Uncle Big Nick. Um, I, yesterday... Uh, Alvin Kamara named one of the team's six captains, um, spoke to the media for the first time, obviously, about nothing except football. 
but which is what you would have expected. Can't talk about the stuff that we all know that's in the background. But Uncle Big Nick asked, do we think that Kamara should have been named a captain? Uh, what's your thought on that? Well, I mean, it's the players are the ones that voted. So that's right. they felt like he, he deserved it. I think uh, he's clearly a guy, I think, behind the scenes that does a lot more than maybe publicly. He's not a very vocal guy in a lot of ways, uh, but it didn't surprise me at all. I mean, he's the best offensive player they have, and he's now entering his Zero fifth question. season. Yeah. Uh, so it makes sense to me. Me too. Um, I feel the same way. Uh, and again, you know, being named captain doesn't, you know, it doesn't say anything about anything else. I mean, it just shows that the players respect that they have for Alvin Kamara. And, you know, we go on, there's no question he's going to be suspended. It's probably going to be uh, in 2023. Uh, but you can't, I mean, everybody makes mistakes. Every, everybody make in their lives make dumb mistakes. Um, he's going to get suspended. We don't know what the, the, what the legal side of it's going to be. And honestly, I mean, I say that about anyone. I mean, you know, if it becomes a recurring theme, then, then you deal with it. But, uh, you know, Alvin Kamara has been a model citizen around New Orleans since he's been here. And, he's, and he made a big mistake, and I think he knows that, and he's going to pay for it in, in some fashion. But obviously, with the players behind him and the respect that they have for him, to me, says a whole lot, Dunk. Yeah, and, you know, I think the loss of Teron Armstead, who's been a captain for several yeah. years, there's really nobody along the offensive line that makes sense, I think, in that role. I think Eric McCoy will one day be a captain. Maybe, maybe Ryan Ramchek, but it makes sense that you transition to Alvin, who's been in the offense the whole time. He's durable. He's always there. He hardly ever misses a game. Uh, he's so talented, and he's one of the smarter players, I think, that the Saints have had in the last 10, 20 years. I mean, he's very football smart. So I could see why they would elect him, as opposed to even like Mike Thomas, who's obviously talented, been on the team longer, but has been off for the last couple of years and as talented as, as Mike Thomas is never been really a, a, a raw, raw leader guy. He's more of right. He's more of kind of a loner kind of guy. And I think he's working on that. He's been asked to do more as far as leadership goes by Dennis Allen. And I think he is trying and making strides in that department, but not, not there to say the level of Alvin Kamara yet. You talked about Eric McCoy. That dude got paid, didn't he? Yeah, and I mean, they've been wanting to get that done for a while, and that's one of the reasons why Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's in Philadelphia right now. They had higher priorities than their nickel slot back, and that's why they wanted to get Eric McCoy locked up. They're going to do the same thing, I think, with Marcus Davenport. And if he has a breakout year, I mean, he's going to command a massive, massive deal. And they've already re-upped with Kamara, you know, Mike Thomas, uh, Ramchek. I mean, they've got some big – deals and we're not even talking about the quarterback position uh, right now they're getting Jameis Winston on a market a cut rate deal and if he plays well this year I think they'll tear up that two-year contract and give him a long-term deal that's also going to be mega money so uh, you know they they were kind of caught in a, between a rock and a hard place with CJ Gardner Johnson Mickey Loomis had a number he wasn't going to budge off of it and when they saw that they weren't going to be able to get him locked up long-term. And the way he reacted to it, uh, I think Dennis Allen said, you know what, we don't want to start this season, my first year as head coach, with any kind of distractions. We're deep in the secondary. Let's move on. We got Eric McCoy locked up. I also think it goes to show, we talked about this last week, Dunk, that 
you know, people complained about Gardner Johnson and they just gave him away. I mean, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And it's not just whether he is an issue in the locker room or whether he wasn't getting along with certain guys. I mean, that may or may not be true, but these guys, Mickey Loomis has been doing this for a long time. I mean, there's things we don't know about. And you talk about other contracts, the Eric McCoy deal that comes out, whether they make a deal with Davenport or whomever. I mean, sometimes you got to make hard decisions because you can't just sign everybody you want. This is not the New York Yankees of 1982. I mean, you just can't do it. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it happen. Look at the last two years. They let uh, Trey Hendrickson go. Marcus Williams just left. Teron Armstead left. Those are good football players that were well-liked in the locker room, well-respected by the coaching staff and the front office. But they've had to make some tough decisions. And, look, I should say – Part of this is coming home to roost on the Saints because they've kicked that can down the road. They've constantly right. tried each year to field a competitive team, so they've done a lot of salary cap uh, gymnastics, and it's it's kind of hurting them in some ways. I mean, there's $60 million over the cap next year projected, so they're going to have to do some more gymnastics. At some point, I think they are going to have to bite the bullet and have one of those kind of transition years just to get the cap straight again. Uh, but not Nobody right. Nobody wants to hear that. I know, but not right now. Mickey Loomis, they want to try and win. They've got a good enough team right now that they can still try and keep this thing together. But if it, like, for instance, JD, if something disastrous happened this year and they went five and 12 or something, I think they would clear the decks, try and reestablish the salary cap and maybe bite the bullet uh, with a young rookie quarterback and, and try and, go through a transition year, but I don't see that on the horizon. They go 5-12, and 12, I'm going to lose a lot of money. I'm <laughs> just going to say that right now. So that, that, I don't that think would, that's going to happen. That would definitely hurt the, the pocketbook. They need to win at least eight games, and uh, we'll go from there. Um, talking about the defense, um, you know, it's – it's. I'm a little concerned. You know, Paulson Diva did so well in training camp, and now he's a little banged up. You lose C.J., Gardner Johnson and Marcus May is going to have to serve a suspension. I mean, they're a little thin there. Yeah, but they got depth. And, and look, Bradley Roby had a great camp. He looked like the guy. I remember last year when they traded for him, uh, talking to Sean Payton at some point midseason, I said, well, you, you disappointed in Bradley Roby because he, he didn't you know, beat out Paulson Adebo. And he goes, no, not at all. The exact opposite. He goes, Bradley Roby's been great. He goes, Paulson Debo's just been better. So it's not like they were disappointed in Roby. And Roby's come on now. He's had a full offseason in the system. I think they're going to be fine in the secondary. I really do. I mean, uh, they got depth there. P.J. Williams is a very solid player. Justin Evans had a great camp as well. Uh, Alante Taylor's a guy they're very high on. I know he's a rookie. Uh, but they've got bodies back there. They can scheme this thing up. And really, it, it all comes down to their defensive line anyway. They dominate up front, which I expect they will. Uh, it's not going to really matter who's who's going to back him because there's not a lot of threats here in Atlanta. Who you got? You got Cal Pitts. Right. You got to worry about. You got Drake London, I guess, a rookie. I, I, you know, I, I don't see this week as being one you need to worry about. The second. No, Kyle Pitts is a beast. Well, no I doubt, mean, but they'll have a plan for him. And uh, well, so well, I mean, you know, the Saints had issues with Zacchaeus last year, so I mean, we'll see how the, how that works out. You had Matt Ryan throwing to him, you know, like. I'm not sure Mariota is skilled a passer. Uh, he's a better athlete than Ryan. That's the, if I had any concern, 
It's Mariota's, you know, mobility. We've seen that the Saints struggle with that in the past. They only rush four most of the time. They don't blitz very often. Allows them to do so much on the back end. Uh, but they just got such a decided advantage, Jim. Offensive line versus the Saints' defensive line. Uh, I just can't see over four quarters how they're going to hold up blocking that Saints front. What was it five or six years ago when Mariota was quarterback in the Titans, and I think they were like one and nine or one and ten, and came into the dome and Mariota beat him. I mean, you remember that game? Yeah, I do. He's he's not bad. You know, he's, he kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, you know Jimmy Garoppolo, not not quite as talented a passer. But he can make all the throws. There's a reason he was drafted number two in the whole, whole draft. Uh, great guy. Like everyone you talk to talks about what a great person and leader he is. Uh, he's just not that talented. Yeah. You know? And so the Saints should be able to get after him. The, the Falcons have had problems up front for years. I, I've talked to Jeff Schultz, my colleague. at the, you know, He's at the Athletic now. He used to be at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I used to always ask him. I couldn't understand it, Jim. When you had a quarterback like Matt Ryan who – who can make every throw in the book when he's got time. You've got to protect them. They should have invested in that offensive line years ago. Matt mm-hmm. Ryan can, can sling it. I, I've talked to Drew Brees. Drew Brees is a pretty harsh critic on other quarterbacks. He loves Matt Ryan. He's always thought he was extremely talented, always felt like he was an elite. because they're both old. I know, but he, he's just not very mobile. So you, gotta, you, you know right. what you got when you're the front office and the coaching staff. you got to protect them, and they've never invested – at least not very wisely in the offensive line. And I think that's still the case. So we'll see how it plays out. I have never been a Matt Ryan fan, but I will say this. What the Falcons did to that dude was just, I mean, wrong. I mean, I'm going to try to be as as nice as possible. I mean, you you don't treat a guy that has been your franchise for, for 15 years or almost, and you just, you don't even tell him. You just go and, and, and make the move that you made. I just – look, he's better off in Indianapolis. There's no question because I think Atlanta still, instead of being maybe a four-win team or a five-win team, I think maybe they, they're a five- or six-win team with Matt Ryan. So I, I don't think – they did him a favor by going to Indianapolis where he could go to the playoffs and, and maybe finish out his career the last two or three years or whatever he's got left and go to the playoffs but and have a the, maybe the number one fantasy running back in, in – football but what they did to Matt Ryan I think was awful well they definitely kind of botched the whole Deshaun Watson thing there's no doubt about that I do think once that fell apart they did right by him but you know they, they sent him to a good organization well, yeah. a really great offensive line in, in Indianapolis like you said a great running back I think he's going to thrive there I think they're a team to watch that's a bad division I think they could easily win that division thrive is a strong word I, I just feel like I feel like the Titans are going to regress. I'm, I may be wrong there. Uh, oh, just, you and everybody else except me. I think I'm the only one that thinks the Titans is still the best team in the division. I mean, every media pundit out there loves the Colts this year. And, and again, maybe I'll be wrong. I mean, I was wrong last night. In fact, uh, I got a email here again. If you want to reach out at Jim Derry Jr. on Twitter, we got about ten or fifteen minutes left in the live portion of the show, or you can uh, put it in your Memory Bank and use it for future live Friday shows. But at Jim Derry Jr. on Twitter, at jderry at theadvocate.com on, is my email. I got a message from Jacob Long along with my other hate mail. Again, I wasn't going to go 272-0. He says, Jim, I think the game speaks for itself. 
No explanation needed. Okay, well, thanks, Jacob. If if I next Thursday, make sure you text in. If I get Thursday right next week, I want to hear from you. And then I got another uh, a message from Justin Bracy on Facebook that that told me that said uh, I knew I was good. He had a ticket of his of his bet on the Bills last night and said he knew he was good when I picked the Rams. So we we appreciate the love. Keep it on. Keep it coming. Um, Jeff, we, we, we love hate mail as much as we love anything else, right? It means they're paying attention. Yeah, don't hold your breath waiting on somebody to tell you you're right. <laughs> there, there love, people uh, love to point out when you're wrong. I mean, I always tell people, you know, my, I've got a go-to thing now. I pull out on social media the Michael Jordan quote about how many game-winning shots he missed in his career, how many times he failed in the key moment, but he kept taking the big shot because that's how you succeed in life. That's going to be, that's my go-to now. It's my go-to to the trolls because as soon as you make a, make a bad call, like we all know, I said, Sean Payton was going to be here this season. We've heard about, I've heard about that. So I'm not going to ever live that one down, but uh, no one's going to point out when you, when you're right. It's part, yeah, of, never. part of the business. But again, if you got trolls, it means people are paying attention. So I guess it could be a worse thing. You can hear nothing ever, and uh, that would that would probably yeah. Want to I mean, be irrelevant? Semi it's, it's the worst. Well, I, I'm semi. I don't even know if I'm relevant in my own house, Dunk. So uh, I mean, I I live in a house with three females. I guarantee you, I'm ranked fifth. It's the three females, the dog, and then me. So that's where I rank in the, in this house, bro. It is what it is. All right, we've got about 10 minutes left. I do want to get to uh, some more of our predictions. Don't want to give your score just yet, but what about the Saints do you think that, and, and I know a lot of people, I've got a bunch of messages we, on our Buy You Bet show, and people saying it was going to be 40 to 10, 35 to <laughs> 7, stupid stuff like that. It's not going to be that, okay? The Saints, I'd be shocked. I mean, and I'm not kidding. I'm going to be shocked if the Saints score in the 30s. So... Right there is, I think, the the ceiling on this team in this game is somewhere around 27, 28 points. I think the defense will play well. I love the under in this game more than I like the fact that I'm taking the Falcons. I think I made it clear that I'm taking the Falcons plus five and a half. Um, I think the Saints will win the game, but I think it's going to be tight to the end. I know you think opposite, but what are the keys for the Saints in this game uh, to, to beat the spread, to have – everyone feeling great about this team going into Monday? Well, I think, number one, the, the, the offense, they've got to be able to run the ball, and I think they will. I think they're going to lean on that running game, that good offensive line. Alvin Kamara's looked great in camp. If they can't run the ball on this Falcons defense, I think that is not going to bode well because I don't think you want to have Jameis Winston dropping back, especially as he's coming in his first game on that knee. I think this passing attack is going to take a little while to – to find its rhythm. There's a lot of new parts there. You know, he and Mike Thomas have not played a lot together, uh, you know, on, on, in live NFL action. So I do, you know, Chris Olave is a rookie. I just think it's going to take a little while for the passing attack to find its groove. So while that is, is developing, they've got to be able to run the ball. And I know Dennis Allen wants to run the ball. So to me, that's number one, run the ball. I thought that was a key for Buffalo last night. I mean, they were running five, six yards a carry. No question. Right away, I was like, well, this isn't a good sign for the Rams if they can't stop the run. Same thing for the Saints. I also think the Saints have a huge edge in the kicking game. I know that the Falcons have a great kicker, 
but so do the Saints. But the Saints uh, with Blake Gillikin, you know, it, they're going to be a lot like those old Jim Mora Saints teams, the Dome Patrol teams. They'll be better offensively. They'll be more creative offensively. But they're going to win games with that kicking game, great field goal kicker, good rushing attack, and a move-the-chains offense. I, I really think people have gotten too caught up in the Saints uh, you know, new receivers, and they're going to be this wild, you know, the, the days of the Drew Brees, Sean Payton scoring 40 a game, you know, lighting up the scoreboard. I just don't think exactly. that's the way this team is going to play. And hence, I, I'm going to like a lot of unders in Saints games. And, and again, I'll, I'll put the, the thing back up there. Total is 43. So, I mean, I, I when I say it's going to go under, uh, that's a pretty low total for Saints. I mean, you you think about the Saints – in the Drew Brees days, it was normally around 51-52. So that's that's a pretty low total, especially for a Saints-Falcons game. But a lot of Saints-Falcons games are low score. And I think this is going to be one of them, which leads me into my next question. We're talking about keys. The defense, Dunk, is going to have to find a way to contain Mariota and, and keep him from being able to scramble around. Not that he's Josh Allen or anything like we saw last night. But he has proven before that he is able to move with his feet and get around that the edges are going to have to find a way to contain him uh, so the linebackers and Demario Davis can do their job. I'm not as worried about the secondary, but you've got to be able to contain Mariota, and you've got to limit Cordero Patterson to, I think, 80 yards or fewer. Agreed. And, look, they've got to have a plan for Kyle Pitts. That's one thing I yeah. do want to watch is, you know, in the past that would have been Malcolm Jenkins or C.J. Gardner-Johnson. They drew, they drew a lot of tight end assignments the last couple of years. Who's going to get that role now? Who's going to play that role on Kyle Pitts? I mean, he's something of a freak. A uh, guy that big, that tall, that rangy, and that fast. Yeah. Uh, it's a tough matchup for them, there's no doubt. But I'm sure Dennis Allen and his staff have a plan. I mean, this is a guy you can kind of focus on because there's not a lot of threats outside of him. I know Drake London is a highly regarded prospect, uh, but he's had some injury issues himself. Uh, but they do – if, if you give Mariota time, I mean, he's an NFL quarterback. If he, if he can extend plays with his legs, guys are going to get open. So I think you're right on that. They've got to be able to keep him in the pocket. Fantasy-wise, I think Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews are better tight ends. But in the real world of football, I mean, I put Kyle Pitts up there with anybody. I think he's his, and already only in his second year. They just couldn't get him the ball last year because he, he was double-teamed so much. And I know Matt Ryan tried to. But and he's gonna he may be in the same situation again because like you talk about Drake London and Russell Gage is gone now so I mean their receiving core is even you know more shallow than it was last year I think so you're gonna have to find a way to double team that guy because he is just like you say a freak of nature that's exactly what I call him that dude to me might be the best tight end in football a funny story I remember three years ago might have been I can't remember exactly how long ago it was. LSU had just beaten Florida. Yeah. We were at the we were at Coach O's press conference, and Kyle Pitts had a couple of big time plays. I, I really didn't know much about Kyle Pitts. I think he was still like a redshirt freshman or a sophomore. But I remember Coach O pointing out and saying, "That's a pretty good football player," you know, because every, everybody was saying, "Well, how's this guy getting open?" And you know, you, you tend to look through the prism of your own team, and LSU fans were wondering how this tight end was lighting him up. And he goes, "Well, that guy's pretty good." And now we see how good Kyle Pitts is. And that was early in his career. And I remember kind of keeping track of him after Coach O pointed him out. If he can even be good when, when Kyle Trask is throwing to him, yeah. then you know he can be good in the NFL. 
Yeah, look, he's probably the fastest tight end we've ever seen in the NFL. Can they get him the ball? I mean, they're going to try. Arthur Smith's a very creative play caller. He's going to lean on on Kyle Pitts as much as he can. He's their main weapon, but Dennis Allen knows that, and they're going to try and take him away. I mean, that's what Sean Payton used to always say. That was a Bill Parcellsism. You know, you take away the right hand and make the team play left hand. That's what they're going to try and do. All right, it's coming to that time of the show when we're going to give our score prediction and um, see how close we are. Well, maybe I'll keep track. Maybe I won't. We'll see how it goes. Again, over-under is 43. It was 42.5 early in the week, so it's ticked up a bit. That means people were betting on the over. Also, the Saints, you know, the look-ahead line on this game was three. You could have got this game at Saints minus three about two months ago. It is now, it started the week, I believe, at five, and is now five and a half. So, Everybody's betting. Well, I'll say everybody. The vast majority of the public is betting on the Saints uh, spread-wise, and they're betting on the over. Mr. Duncan, what is your final score? I'm looking it up right now in my crystal ball column, which runs, I think it runs Sunday, J.D. I want to get the exact score. I think I picked it low scoring. Yeah, I picked 26-13 Saints. That sounds about right to me. All right. I see some field goals in the Falcons horizon. I just can't see them scoring very many points. But interesting enough, though, we talked about this being a low-scoring game in, in the past. The last two two meetings last year were both pretty high-scoring games. Uh, now, that was with Matt Ryan, and if we all remember, the Saints defense really laid an egg in that, in that game yep. uh, in the Superdome. I mean, Matt Ryan lit them up. They had a huge – he had his best game of the year. And that's really, in my opinion – not you know that's can't happen this year with the Saints team. They can't afford those defensive lapses. Uh, they've got to be able to shut down uh, teams like the Falcons, and I think they will in this one. Dunk says twenty six thirteen. Uncle Big Nick says, "Don't worry, all of us haters will keep track." So uh, wow. he he's a big Forty ers fan. All right, it's time for my pick, and it's you know if you've read my NFL picks column, you know what I think. I again, I think it's going to be. A tight game. I think it's going to be a hold-your-breath kind of game. I think it's going to be one of those ugly wins for the Saints where you have all the black and gold Houdat fans out there who were screaming on the top of their lungs, the Saints are going 15-2. and two. Those same people on Monday are going to say, oh, they're 7-10. and 10. You can't beat the hell out of Atlanta. What's going on? It's Atlanta. Atlanta always gives, gives this team trouble, even when they're good. I mean... More often than not, this is a tight game. I don't think this one's going to be any different. I think Jameis is going to have to shake off rust. I think it's going to be a butterfly game for Dennis Allen. I think the Saints will find a way. With Will Lutz, I, I agree with Duncan that there's going to be a lot of field goals. I got New Orleans 22, Atlanta 19, and a lot of sweaty palms going on Sunday around 2.55 p.m. Hey, one one last stat for you, JD. This, Go for this it. speaks speaks to your, uh, you know, your point about this always being close. These two teams have played in the regular season 105 times. You know what the series is now? Atlanta 53, New Orleans 52. The Saints can tie the series with a win for the first time since 1969. That's wow. unbelievable. They've never been tied. The Falcons have always owned the series edge. Since the very beginning, the Saints won the first game in 67, and then the Falcons reeled off about five in a row, and they've had the edge in the series. The Saints could have tied it last year, but they laid that egg at home like we talked about, 
And in, in, in underscoring that point of how close it's been, the total difference in points scored in those 105 games is only 82. So wow. if you think about it, that's less than a point a game Yeah, differential in points. So more often than not, this is a close game. You gave me fodder for my trends column, which will come out Sunday morning. So uh, that's definitely something that will be in there. And also, when you said that they played 105 times and asked me to, to guess what the record was, I'm glad you answered it before I did because I probably would have had some numbers that did not add up to 105 because my Shaw math skills are very limited. <laughs> I need Excel, and I didn't have time to go into Excel and, and use my calculator. So I appreciate you, you answering that. Any final thoughts before we depart on this Friday morning? No, looking forward to it. Uh, I, if the Saints lose, we're going to be in full-scale crisis mode here. Oh, yeah. It, <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be worse than the LSU game for sure. So I, I would expect the Saints to get a victory on Sunday. Again, Jeff Duncan and I live every Friday morning, 9.15 a.m. You can just check out my Twitter page, at Jim Derry Jr. Uh, it's probably the best place to find it if you want to watch it live and listen. We have some cool graphics that I'm working on still. It's a work in progress. We're getting there. Um, soon, we'll be international on Twitter as well. Not like here in the podcast world. All kidding aside, we appreciate you listening every Friday. We know we have our core of loyal listeners and uh, very much appreciated that you've been sticking with us almost a year. We're close. I think we're about two weeks away from, from our anniversary here, and we're not too far away from our 100th episode. But that is going to about do it for episode number 88. I've shared my thoughts. Jeff Duncan has shared his thoughts. Um, I'm hope, I hope I'm wrong in the sense of I hope palms are not sweating at 2.55 p.m. and that everyone's still watching and in a good mood. Because if the Saints either make this a super tight game or lose, I got a feeling Monday's going to be kind of ugly. And as we told you, Monday... Uh, Doug Mouton will be on the show, and uh, we will be back at our doing our regular tape broadcast. I'm not ready to go live with all of our shows yet. So Monday, uh, this, the plan is to have a Monday review of whatever Saints game was played on Sunday. Obviously, this week's Saints Falcons. Uh, then on, and I'll have my Derry's dime as my monologue, and uh, we'll have some recordings of some Dennis Allen's reaction, his first reaction as head coach, and. Maybe some other players um, will have some their reactions. And then our guests, whoever our guests may be. And this week it is Doug Mouton on this Monday. And then on Thursday we'll have our NFL pick show. It's actually NFL and college pick show. Uncle Big Nick will join us every Thursday. He gives a lot of college picks. I give almost all NFL picks. Um, and then on Friday it's Duncan. So uh, we've got our schedule pretty much planned out for the rest of the season. And we hope you enjoy the game. Let's get this party started in here. Right? I told I kind of tipped to that in the beginning. Let's get it started. I am so sick of previews and talking about what is to come. I want to talk about what happened. We're going to do that on Monday. We're going to spend Sunday watching the game. You can tell me what you think. At Jim Derry Jr. on Twitter. At jderrytheadvocate.com is my email address. Feel free to write me. Whether you got love mail, whether you got hate mail, or whether you just want to talk about the weather, which is much nicer, by the way. Hope everybody has a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. Peace and love, my friends. Peace
everybody, everybody, let's get into it. Get stoned, get it started, get it started, get it started. Let's get it started, let's get it started in here.